Hey everybody, this is Cole Fix, and welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. We have a really interesting conversation for you today with Lainey Greer. Lainey holds a PhD in systematic theology from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but her PhD work is in the theology of the body and body image. She is a consultant, uh, she is a writer, and uh, she specializes in talking about God's design for our bodies. So you can follow her at laneygreer.com. You can follow her podcast, Forsaken Body. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation we have today about what God has designed for us and for our bodies. Dr. Laney Greer, thanks so much for coming on the So We Speak podcast. We're excited to have you and uh, to learn from you in this episode. I just wanted to start things off by saying you're... What you're writing about, this theology of the body, health, physical, mental health, embodiment, is such a fresh set of research and uh, Christian perspective. I'm learning a ton working through a lot of your material. And I started to think, how did you get involved in this? Where was the start for you in diving into this area? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been an eclectic journey, I guess. Um, so I, I grew up... Um, I loved working out and so had a, had a love for, um, exercise and helping others exercise. So went the personal training route, uh, but then I also loved theology and I just couldn't read enough, uh, you know, systematic and, and, uh, doctrinal issues and things like that. And so those are my two driving passions and, uh, nothing that I, you know, nothing really combined those two loves for me. Uh, so the Lord just has done this over the the last few years. I um, I got a master's in Christian leadership after um, uh, a bachelor's in exercise science, and then ended up thought I was done. Never really thought about going any further, and um, got a PhD in systematic theology where I focused on human embodiment. And so a lot of the things that I already knew, like more on the practical side about the body, um, you know, the, the PhD really laid those doctrinal foundations, a biblical theological foundation for why our body is important to the Lord. Well, I would imagine in the PhD program in systematic theology, you're covering this huge broad area and then distilling that down to this very specific application that you're working on. Um, how was the PhD program and how was it trying to distill that down into a theology of the body? You know, I kind of went in knowing what area I wanted to focus on. Um, and I loved, you know, all the different aspects of, of, you know, theology that I got into and in, in the different seminars. Um, but it was helpful knowing kind of on the front end, what I was going to write towards uh, in that process. So, um, you know, by the end, after eight seminars, I kind of had a lot of content that I could put towards a dis dissertation, but the body image piece, that was what I ended up, you know, I created kind of my own theology of the body, and then I applied that to body image. So that piece was um, something that I hadn't anticipated, kind of a direction at going in, um, but I think that was a very helpful application for the framework I had kind of created with the theology of the body. Well, I want to dive into that concept of the theology of the body. I think for most of us, when we hear that, we know what those words mean, theology and body, but it's it's hard to even get a starting place for the theology of the body. I noticed in one of the articles that you've written, you talk about 
when we talk about pastoring or when we talk about the Christian life, a lot of times we say something like the care of souls and that even that phrase is missing this critical piece of the theology of the body. So maybe if we just start from the beginning, from, from a broad lens, what were you developing? What does it mean uh, to discuss a theology of the body? Yeah. So theologies essentially are just, you know, a compilation of how does scripture address certain topics? So the church, the Holy Spirit. Uh, So with the body, it's how does Genesis to Revelation, how is the body discussed? Uh, And then we, you know, form beliefs around, around those things. So, um, you know, when we look at scripture, we see that scripture addresses the body um, from, you know, the first pages of Genesis. Uh, and then we, we can understand, you know, kind of having a, um, a, a perspective on where we're looking at the whole of, uh, scripture. We see that every major doctrine pretty much involves the body in some way or other, um, whether it's creation, whether it's sin impacting us physically, um, you know, spiritually, whether it's the doctrine of providence, uh, resurrection, so many things, you know, Christ's incarnation. Um, and then where I went with my dissertation was recognizing that the triune God, so Father, Son, and Spirit are all three involved with the body. And so we can, we can claim from, from even just that, that Father, Son, and Spirit are involved with the body, that the body matters to the Lord, um, he created us as embodied beings. So, and that's really a facet within a theology of the body that's important. And that gets to what you're speaking about with, you know, you are a soul or you have a body. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thinking comes from a misunderstanding really of embodied reality. So, um, you know, a lot of times I think we're we're influenced by ways of thinking and we don't necessarily realize it, but we may have a low view of the body from essentially, um, you know, Gnostic beliefs, which was, you know, hundreds of years ago, we see it kind of combated in different New Testament letters. Um, but it's just this kind of, um, way of looking at material things as the source of evil or affected, um, you know, by sin, whereas immaterial realities aren't. So it kind of creates this hierarchy of immaterial over material or soul over body. And that's when, Um, You know, if we have an understanding of a theology of the body and we recognize God created us as an embodied being who's spiritually uh, and physically, you know, created, we we bear God's image as a body soul being, then how we think about our body matters, how we treat our body matters. Um, But really, I think it first comes with unpacking. How do I even conceive of the body in the first place? Right. Yeah, because you 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 talked about the image of God. One of the maybe incorrect beliefs we have is that the image of God is only the inner spirit. So we're created in the image of God just spiritually because he is spirit. But uh, you push back on that and say, actually, there's more to the image of God than just our spiritual or our soul. Uh, it, it involves the body as well. What, what would you say to somebody who says, what could the image of God mean for our physical bodies? Yeah, so if we look at Genesis, you know, one and two, we see how God makes man in his image. Um, He creates them as male, female beings. He blesses them as embodied beings. And he's he's given them commands to fulfill, being fruitful, multiplying, uh, you know, spreading over the earth. That involves being a physical creation. Um, So there's there's no, from the beginning of scripture, there's no indication that 
God's image only applies to us, um, to our souls or to who we are as spiritual beings. Um, but then too, you know, we see in Genesis, in Genesis two, the more detailed creation event that God uses material dust of the ground and combines it with his material breath. And that's when Adam becomes a living being. Um, so it's that, it's that embodiment of soul and spirit, um, or soul and body, um, that is how we should think about who we are and not say, well, um, only the soul matters or only the soul bears God's image. Because when we do that, that can lead us to devalue the body and physical realities in a variety of ways. Yeah. So one of the things I hear you saying is that Christians should be, you use the word dualism, which probably a lot of people don't, they don't necessarily know what that means. But when you start to explain the kinds of beliefs that we would consider Gnostic or dualistic, everybody understands that where the spirit is good, the flesh is bad. Anything that is material is less or on a lower plane than anything spiritual. And we do talk that way uh, a lot. And we elevate spiritual things of the soul higher than we do physical things that would be sinful or fleshly. Um, sometimes we take Paul's words fleshly and we we make that sinful and then we have spirit and that is good and that can get all the way down into the way that we live our lives what would you say are some of the other tenets of the way the bible talks about the body that that we should know yeah gosh where to start um so I think you you brought up Paul, and I think that's really important. Like we could go through different doctrines and, and talk about what they have to do with the body. Um, but what Paul says to the Corinthians, I think is really important. And that's that's honestly where I come from with a foundation for theology of the body. So the Corinthians were super anti-body. They were very much influenced by Gnostic beliefs. Um, and so what they were doing, and he addresses this specifically in chapter six of First Corinthians, they were engaged in all kinds of bodily sins because they didn't think that the body mattered. They didn't think, um, you know, they were going to be resurrected. So they were kind of doing whatever they wanted with their bodies. And he, he comes at that way of behaving, um, by correcting their thinking about the body. So that's when he ties in the Trinitarian involvement with the body. He talks about, you know, you're going to be resurrected, talks about, um, union with Christ and how our bodies are members of Christ, um, how we are bought for with a price. So talking about redemption there, um, and then ties it also into the fact that we're indwelled by the spirit. So your body is a temple of the spirit. And he concludes that whole section with, so glorify God in your body. So he's saying, I think he's saying really two things there. It's one that your body has value. And he, he goes over like so many statements tying the body's value back to the Godhead. Um, but then also that God has authority over your body. So if that's your, you know, if that's your way of thinking about yourself as an embodied being, then you're going to be more aware of the things you're doing on a daily basis. Um, super practical things. Am I caring for myself physically because I want to glorify God in my body? You know, you talk to churches a lot and church people, of course, you've got one foot in academia with the research that you've done and then one foot in just kind of your everyday living out your faith. Given what you said and what we what we learned, uh, the Corinthian letters, of course, is, is a good starting place, but all throughout the Bible. What are some of the things that you feel like most Christians miss about the body? Um, You know, we're... Like you said earlier, you know, a lot of times we associate sin with 
with slash the word sarks that Paul often uses. And yes, like sometimes he is talking about who we are as, as an embodied being, our body being flesh, but he also uses that word a lot of times to describe our sinful nature. Um, so when we recognize like in Ephesians two, um, you know, Paul's talking about there, how we are, we're by nature, children of wrath. Um, but that we lived in the passions of our flesh. And he specifically says, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind. So he's implicating both there. It's not just the, our physical side. It's also our spiritual. Um, so sin impacts us as an embodied being. I think that's really important to know. Um, you know, with the body too, and, and the doctrine of providence. So God being in control and sovereignly gui guiding all things according to his purposes. Um, if we look at what David says in Psalm 139, you know, he praises the Lord for his body. And he specifically talks about the ways his body was formed. But then he also says that the days that God had formed for him. So he's associating who he is as an embodied being with the fact that he's supposed to live out God's purposes in a, in a physical world. Hmm. Um, so just that connection there of God's plans for us as embodied beings. Um, and, you know, another thing we can look at is sanctification. So First uh, Thessalonians, Paul talks about how um, it's God's will that we learn to control our body in holiness and honor. So being redeemed uh, as an embodied being, we have the ability to honor the Lord, you know, physically through our bodies. And then just resurrection. I mean, obviously, you know, we will be re-embodied for eternity. We have a, with, you know, after, after death, the body does slough off and die. Um, and our, our soul is with Christ. And we have that, you know, time of the intermediate state where we are disembodied, but that's unnatural. That's not how we are meant to live. And, um, you know, so we are, we are resurrected. We're awaiting re-embodiment. And Paul, again, you know, he, even though people say, well, look how Paul talks about the flesh. Well, okay, we need to back up and understand the flesh, but we also need to see that he talks about the body more than any other author in scripture. He is so mm. pro-body. Um, but he says in Romans 8, he talks about how, um, you know, we are eagerly awaiting our adoption. So we're mm -hmm. adopted now, it's already not yet tension. But then he specifies that as the redemption of our bodies. Um, so, you know, when, when we have a whole picture, you know, from Genesis revelation understanding of, of the body, I think it can help us, um, you know, think about our bodies rightly. So we go on to treat them rightly. One of the essays that you just published that I really caught my eye was called why biblical counselors need a theology of the body. And it gets into what I think are some really practical implications of what, what we've just been discussing. And one point that really struck me on that resurrection point is that we sometimes lack a robust understanding of eschatological realities. Um, Paul spends a lot of time talking about resurrection, and it's always physical resurrection. Um, we have Christ who was physically raised. Now, he has a resurrection body that's a little bit different. It can do certain things that maybe we don't expect physical bodies to do. But then he does things like eat you know, that are very earthy and physical. Um, explain the difference that that would make for us if we really understood that kind of embodied eschatology that you talk about. Yeah, so, um, you know, recognizing like Philippians 3, 
the the promise there that our lowly bodies will be transformed like Christ's glorious body. Um, again, you know, Paul says that, but then going back to what he says to the Corinthians in in First Corinthians six, he is one. Um, I guess, foundational point that he makes to try and correct their behaviors was he says that, you know, God raised the Lord and he's also going to raise us by that same power. So his reason for talking about the resurrection in that context is to say, hey, you know, your body has a future. So you value it in the present and you you treat it that way now. Um, they needed to know that the resurrection was a real event and not just some spiritual occurrence. Uh, so Paul's saying, you know, God validates your body by raising it and glorifying it. Mm. Um, so, you know, understanding that our body has a future is one way that we can, you know, fight to think about our bodies rightly so that we will have, you know, behaviors that glorify God in our bodies, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it really changes the way that we see taking care of our bodies now that, God has not just dignified us with a body now, but we'll have a body in eternity that's our resurrected body, but it's in some way similar to the body that we have now. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that we're doing are looking forward to eternity, not just the present. Um, and it certainly gets rid of the idea that these bodies are disposable and, uh, you know, help us to think about honoring them like Paul commands because God gave them to us and they are part of who we are. We, we can't just be who we are without our bodies. Um, yeah. what I really thought was interesting was when you get into some of these really practical topics, we've got, uh, kind of a twofold divide between honoring, uh, thinking about the spiritual side to the detriment of body, or even maybe to put a finer point on it, mental health to the detriment of the body, and then looking at valuing the body to the detriment of mental health. And, and the two that jumped out to me were on this side of, uh, trying to, serve mental health or the spiritual side of who we are to the detriment of the body. And the two issues that you pointed out that I think everybody is thinking about right now, but she brings such a helpful grid to talk about them are gender dysphoria and the body positivity movement. Sketch a little bit about, you know, the, the similarity there, just the underlying maybe misunderstanding of spirit and body that underlies those. And then maybe we can talk about how each of those from a Christian perspective of theology of the body, uh, we can approach those a little differently than the world. Yeah. So, um, you know, the world or our culture is, is pressing us to live as though we're disembodied in a variety of ways. And these are two examples of that, like you're saying. Um, so when you elevate mental health, over physical health or vice versa, physical over mental, you're essentially trying to live as though your soul and body aren't connected, that there's this not, um, that there's not a psychosomatic connection that God created us with this mind body interaction. When clearly there is, if you just think about practical realities of, um, you know, say you're really hungry and we all know hangry is a real thing. And you, um, you know, lash out at somebody because you're just physically hungry or, say you have something that you're, you know, really nervous about coming up, you have a presentation or something, well, you may have butterflies in your stomach, you may get sick to your stomach, whatever. Um, those that's that psychosomatic connection and just really practical everyday realities that we all understand. Um, so there's interaction there that's critical to who we are as embodied beings. But when we try to split that apart and say, 
say one doesn't matter or, you know, they, they aren't connected. It doesn't work for very long. Um, and yes, we see that in culture with, um, you know, the transgender movement and, and just trying to say, well, you know, these physical realities, um, that are ordained by the Lord that they don't matter. And not only do they not matter, but my mental health is more important than my physical health. So I can, you know, essentially mutilate my body. I can take different pills to try and force some side, some type of change to physical realities. Um, and, and we, you know, if we act like that's not going to have an impact on mental health, then we're not paying attention um, mm-hmm. because we see already, you know, such a shift now, even towards detransitioning um, and just the, the lifelong consequences of, you know, some of these things that um, people have done, the doctors have, have said, yes, do this to your child. This will make them feel better. Um, and that's, that's just really it's really dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Then on the the other side, body positivity, like you mentioned, you know, that's a movement that says, um, you know, accept accept yourself, love your body, no matter your appearance. Um, and the the thing that it does is again, it separates mental health from physical health. Um, and it it says, you know, physical realities that go along with with excess weight, being obese, typically those that produces chronic health consequences, you know, whether it's, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, heart disease, those are just realities that come from long-term excess weight. And so to say that those things don't matter and all that matters is my physical health. Um, that's, that's trying to live disembodied and it's really, it's really not, um, you know, it's called body positivity movement, but it's actually a message that your body doesn't really matter. If mm-hmm. that makes sense in some yeah, twisted way. I, I like the way you put that because both of these issues rely in some way or another on internal inconsistencies or maybe to put it a little bit better in a little bit better light in internal misunderstandings. So on the one hand, you know, gender dysphoria and transgenderism are based on the belief that your internal self, your internal conception of yourself or your brain gender or whatever is one thing. And your physical biological sex is something else. So that in and of itself is something I think we reject uh, biblically. But but given that, then the next belief there is, and so the discomfort from you know, on the mental and spiritual side of things can be solved by aligning the body with the conception of gender that you have. That's a very contradictory way of viewing the world. So on the one hand, the the body is malleable. And on the other hand, uh, your mental conception must be aligned to your body, even though you were born with them different from each other. And so what you see in the data then is kind of what you would expect. Not that many people that transition have better mental health outcomes. And I think framing it the way you did, it's a pretty easy explanation. Well, by going down that course of belief, like we can prize mental health and then do really disastrous things to the body, we shouldn't expect a better outcome from that. Not, not to say that some people don't report short-term, um, maybe short-term feelings, positive feelings from that, but the data is pretty overwhelming that it doesn't work to solve mental health problems 
to try to bring the body into alignment. I think with a biblical foundation, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these are just creational realities, you know, truths that we see from creation. The fact that we were created with a body and that body has certain physical characteristics, again, that are sovereignly ordained providentially according to God's purposes for us. Um, and those physical realities, they they have certain purposes in and of themselves. And ultimately it is to, um, you know, fulfill the creation commands of multiplying and filling the earth. Um, but, but part of that too, is just being, being good stewards of our bodies as well. So even from that perspective, you know, whether it's body positivity or, or, you know, transgender issues, a believer needs to step back and say, you know, how, how might, um, how might these, you know, issues that we see in our culture today, even just kind of destroy our bodies. And when, when we're supposed to, um, care for our bodies in ways that honor the Lord and not, you know, essentially destroy and, and harm our bodies physically, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. If you, if we go back to the body positivity point, I think that one, even for Christians is maybe a little bit more understandable because what it is pushing back against is unreasonable expectations, shaming, um, being in a situation where you have certain things about your body that are uncontrollable, whether that's hormonal or certain kinds of hereditary things. And it's very hard to wade through what of this is scientific and what of this is just culture myths and, you know, things like that. I, I thought one of the really interesting things that you bring in this theology of the body is to an issue like body positivity, you're, you're not taking the opposite tack of body positivity, but reframing it in a more godly, more biblical way. Uh, because you're not, you're, you're not taking the position of shaming people. You're taking the position of, well, God has designed us to function in certain ways that will be good for our overall and total health. And that's a lot of what I think you spend your time doing and working with people to do is to be healthy, both in body and in spirit. And so if you're, you know, if you're going to give somebody advice who, uh, is unhealthy physically or is unhealthy spiritually, and you're going to try and integrate these two, what kinds of things do you do or what kind of advice do you give in looking at total health from a biblical worldview? Yeah, um, that's that's a great question. There are a lot of things, uh, a lot of directions to go with this. I mean, first, I think it's recognizing, you know, that we're called to submit ourselves to the Lord as embodied beings. Paul talks about this. We offer our bodies to the Lord as our spiritual act of worship. So Romans 12. Um, And it's just that recognition that God cares about giving our whole selves to him. Um, So practically, I think that means that we have to analyze just even everyday realities like Paul talks about in first uh, Corinthians 10, he says that we're to honor the Lord, even in our eating and drinking. So that's just super, you know, menial things that we do every day that are sometimes, you know, we're thoughtless and how this is impacting me. Um, and a lot of this, you know, it's not based in a legalism. So caring for yourself physically is, should not be legalistic for the believer. It shouldn't be idolatrous. I certainly have that background, um, and, and things that I did over exercise and things. Um, 
but it should be, okay, what is steward, stewarding my body to the glory of God? What does that look for me now in this season? Because that that's going to change depending on um, the amount of time you have. Maybe you're a new mom and you just don't have a lot of time to exercise like you once did. So what does it look for you now, look like for you now? Um, you know, maybe you're older and physically you're not feeling great. Your body is wearing down, but you still need to you still need to care for yourself. So what does that look for you in that season? Um, so, you know, I, I kind of say with body stewardship, there's four areas where we should kind of assess. And really, this is just from personal experience over the years. It's from me doing things wrong uh, for a lot of years. <laughs> and then the Lord, um, you know, kind of helping me through it and see where the mistakes I was making. But, you know, we should look at proper nutrition. Are, are the foods we eat are they devoid of nutrients? Are we just eating a bunch of calories and it's not doing much for us physically? Um, we should look at exercise. You know, are we engaging in even just a minimal amount of exercise? You know, um, most people are sedentary, especially in our day and age now, post-COVID, where we work from home and we get like two to 3,000 steps a day. But on average, like we should be getting at least 8,000 steps a day. And, and the way that our body responds with eight to 10,000. It's just so clear that the Lord made our bodies to get better with even just a minimal amount of physical activity. Um, but then two other areas too with body stewardship would be, you know, how are we uh, with resting? Are we taking time? Not just sleep. Yes, sleep is a massive thing and we should get seven to nine hours a day. But are we are we resting from our work? Are we taking time to rest in the Lord? Um, and then stress management. You know, we live in a go, go, go culture. And I know this probably better than anyone. Stress can have uh, pretty severe physical ramifications. And so are we paying attention to sources of chronic stress? Um, are we are we trying to um, care for ourselves by, you know, maybe kind of monitoring those areas where we're noticing, hey, I've got I've got some physical signs of stress showing and I need to kind of reassess my schedule or workload, whatever it is. Yeah, sometimes you approach these areas in compartments in your life. You know, you have your physical health, you have your spiritual health, you have your mental health. Um, and all of those things, you can dive into the latest fads and different literature in all those areas. But one of the things that was really encouraging to me in reading your work is that you look at this as a fundamental unity, right? So our physical health and our spiritual health and our mental health, they're all they're all related to each other. That's the way that God designed us. And so that overall approach is one of the things that separates us from uh, just viewing those in little compartments. Um, and so it, while it sounds kind of different than maybe we would put it sometimes, your spiritual health a lot of times can depend on your physical health or can be influenced that mm -hmm. way. Have you seen that to be true? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, look at third John, um, John says to Gaius, he, he prays that all is well, uh, with his health as it goes along with his soul. So he's talking about the fact that he wants him to be in good physical health because it's going to benefit him spiritually. Um, you know, if we are apathetic to, uh, spiritual realities in our life, if we're not very disciplined in that sense to, you know, read scripture, to be in God's word, to pray, um, then that's going to bleed over typically into physical realities. We're probably going to be undisciplined in our, our physical life. Um, you know, Proverbs talks about sloth, um, or the sluggard and the sluggard, it's not just being lazy, um, and, you know, spiritually or physically, but just how I live, how I live my life, you know, am I apathetic to, 
both realities of caring for myself, doing things I should do physically to help myself and um, spiritually as well. Am I, am I getting in the word to cultivate, um, you know, my walk with the Lord. And so when we're, when we're disciplined, um, and we're, we live with self-control, which, you know, the Holy spirit supplies us with, it's one of his fruits. When we live with self-control in one area, it's just going to bleed over into the other, because again, we're, we're an embodied being. Yeah. I've seen that to be true in my own life. Uh, self, self-control and discipline in one area is contagious to other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, just the, the underlying concept of just having more energy, feeling better, a lot of times helps us to say yes to the things that God's calling us to do. Um, and so that, that integration, I think is really important. This is such a fascinating topic. Um, I know a lot of our listeners will want to dive further into this. They'll want to uh, continue reading and learning about this. Where can they find more of your work? Yeah, so um, I have a website. It's just laneygreer.com and a lot of resources there, um, you know, writing a lot about different topics, some of what I've discussed here, some, and then there's some other stuff as well. I didn't even really get into body image, which was the topic of my dissertation. Um, and then I have a podcast too. It's just Forsaken Body. Um, you can find that on Apple, Spotify, and then I'm on, you know, a lot of the social media uh, platforms, um, which I just, you know, you love to hate social media. Sometimes it's not my favorite <laughs> thing, but it's a good way to get out, get out your message and stuff. So Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, those things. Well, I would encourage all of our listeners to subscribe on the website, to get your articles that you write and, uh, to keep up with what you're doing and then listen to the podcast for second body. And we'll put those in the show notes. Uh, Dr. Laney Greer, thanks so much for coming on the So We Speak podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.